Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Curse me, Rose. Run for your life. Fatality. I'm Batman. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you happen to be. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us for Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. Liesl Wilkerson is an American voice actress with an impressive list of credits to her name. Fully fluent in Japanese after growing up in Tokyo, Japan, Liesl moved into radio DJ work on J-Wave and was inspired by the voice luminaries of the age, including Wolfman Jack. Liesl has gone on to achieve fame as the voice behind Nina Williams and Christy Montero from the Tekken series and Sarah Bryant from Virtua Quest. Liesl was gracious enough to chat to us about all manner of things, including getting her start in the radio industry in Tokyo, the differences between voice acting auditions in the US and Japan, and her experiences with Sofia Coppola and Bill Murray. We pass this over to the diva for her rating. Franku, what did the diva have to say? The diva has enjoyed this podcast and rates it completely salt-free. Thank you kindly to both Franku and the diva for that rating, but for now, without any further ado, please join me, Les Allen, as we release The Geek with Liesl Wilkerson. And now, we're releasing the geek. What is your profession? Lisa, what? Uh, you grew up in Japan. Now, what was your yes. path to geekdom? I'm guessing the, the core would have been the same as any other geek worldwide, but you would have had, you're right at the coalface for a lot of the things that drive the oh, otaku yeah. culture. Yes, absolutely. And um, I mean, of course, like anime, video games and all that. Um, I think the thing is, though, when you're growing up in Japan, it doesn't come across in any way as geekdom or as it's just super ordinary. Mm -hmm. I hate to put it that way, but you know what I mean? Like it yeah. is such a part of everyday life in Tokyo and was for me. So I had no idea, but um, I, you know, like many other kids around the world grew up and watched manga or not. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, read manga mm -hmm. in Japanese. Yes. So that was a bit challenging, but it was mm -hmm. good for my Japanese. Um, and then I also um, went, you know, watched some great uh, animes such as mm -hmm. my, Favorites were Candy Candy, which mm -hmm. is very old school, and I don't know if it ever went anywhere besides Japan, but right. um, it was every single girl my age of my generation watched that show, yes. and I was completely obsessed with that show. So mm -hmm. I watched that, and then I also watched... Um, uh, no, I'm not. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, oh, sorry. It's, no, no, yeah. totally fine. Totally fine. <laughs> it's the FedEx guy. Oh, can, right. Can you hold on for just yeah, sure. one minute? Let no me. No problems. Okay, I'll, hold, I'll okay. make music. Do, 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 do. No, that's on, it. You were talking about the, the Otaku okay, aspect. Oh, yeah. So you were yeah. talking about your interests and the, the Otaku aspect that it's, it's, it's accepted that it's generally part of, yes. of Japanese culture. Is that because culturally they 
there's a there's an acceptance of of mythology of fantasy as just part of the everyday historically yeah i think that i've never actually thought of it that way but that probably definitely i i would imagine would have a part in it and i think mm-hmm. also just um even even for things that you would never associate with manga or anime like mm-hmm banks, you know, financial institutions or uh, police stations, they all have their own little anime character or, you know, as well. Yeah. So it's kind of something that is so much more than just entertainment. I mean, it's Mm. used for teaching kids all the time and, you know, or or adults all the time. (laughs) So it's you know and 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 then i think also just growing up you know when you are growing up in a different culture like i was in tokyo mm. you don't really understand you don't comprehend like the amazing opportunity that you have around you right yes. it's just kind of that you just try to get through every day, you know, you just live like a kid. You're a kid and that's where you are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is your home. You don't know anything different. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, it absolutely affected me because like I said, candy, candy was um, for my generation of girls. We all watched candy, candy and we loved her. And, you know, it's a story about, I believe a British girl if I'm not mistaken, who, mm-hmm. who is a uh, orphan. She goes to the home of a really wealthy family and then she has a wicked stepsister. And then she falls in love with this, you know, young, handsome boy. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and there's a lot that goes on kind of in her life and in the life of the characters around her. But we all kind of, you know, would laugh and cry with candy, candy. Sure. Um, and then, and then also there were quite a few sports anime that were really big during the time that I was a kid. And one mm. of them was Attack Number 1, which was about volleyball. Yes. And Ace, and then another one was called Aim for an Ace, or Ace or Nerae, which was about tennis. Mm. And that shaped me as far as the sports that I ended up choosing, you know, when, when I decided to join a team, a sports mm-hmm. team, I decided to go with volleyball at the, at the age of 12 or 13, because oh, 12, I think so. Um, and it was because attack number one, right. because I loved anime so much. So it was definitely a lot of influence. I now, think it, it, it wouldn't that. have hurt um, from, from your bio, it wouldn't have hurt that you probably would have been slightly taller than your class. Yes, correct, correct. <laughs> until until we got into high school where we actually played against a lot of the bases. So some of the girls were about right. my height or sometimes even a little bit taller. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. But okay. yeah, absolutely. I definitely was one of the taller ones in the group. That's true. Gotcha. <laughs> Is there a, was there a part that you can remember through your um, watch, um, reading manga, watching anime, was there a specific point that you can remember that you went, I want to be involved with this. I want to do that. Not at all. I didn't. It was, it really fell 
into my lap in the most glorious way, I want to say, because <laughs> you, um, you know, I really, and, and in fact, I didn't even know, and I talked to a lot of voice actors, you know, both, you know, um, internet from international, like, you know, Japan or whatever, or, sure. you know, even local ones that I work with, and they say the same thing. Like, I never even knew that that was a job mm. back then. Right. Um, but for me, it really all started from getting involved in radio at the age of 19. Mm -hmm. And to me, you know, um, one of the things that has been a passion of mine since I was probably about four or five was music. I've always loved music and I loved radio. I used to listen to a lot of the classic DJs like Mm -hmm. Charlie Tuna, um, Wolfman Jack. Wolfman, I was about to, I was about yeah. to say Wolfman. Yeah, yeah, Wolfman Jack. I loved him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and of course, in Japan, I was able to get access to that through the Armed Forces Network, sure. so through the base stations. Um, and so, usually, it was on quite late at night. I wasn't allowed to listen to the radio that late, so I would have to be very secretive and, you know, finding, first of all, finding a cassette tape, which already just goes to show what generation I come from. But, you know, I would have to go sneak in my mom and dad's room and then find mm-hmm. a cassette tape that I thought they might not miss. Sure. And then I would take it and I would record, you know, and then pretend to be asleep and I'd be recording mm-hmm. Wolfman Jack and, right. you know, I mean, all that. And then even Casey Kasem, I mm-hmm. tried to always, every weekend, I would try to listen to Casey Kasem if I yes. could and record the whole countdown. And mm-hmm. um, that love of music really is what led, in my opinion, to almost everything that I do. Right. Um, so a lot of times I'll go to, you know, the to conventions and one of the things people ask me what is how did you get into the world of voice work and i say mm-hmm. everything in my life really happened through my love of music and through my love of radio mm-hmm. and that really opened up paths to just you know things that i would have never thought i could get involved in like doing mm-hmm. video game voice acting yeah. i mean i never thought i would get involved in that mm-hmm. so that's just been a really wonderful um path that sure. you know had yeah came before mm-hmm. me when you were at school what what were you thinking that you wanted to do with your life <laughs> it's so crazy but I actually thought I was going to be a PE teacher because ah. I was all, all about sports attack I did one. Yeah, there you go <laughs> attack yeah attack number one I I was volleyball and then in the spring season which volleyball's fall season mm-hmm. uh winter season so i would i did cheerleading for a few years i really wanted to do field hockey or ground oh, hockey right. yeah, but yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah which i love but my it was a little bit hard on my knees so i yeah, had to it's a bit rough on the shins and the yeah. knees yeah it is which, you know, cheerleading is not necessarily much better. I don't know what I was thinking, but, you know, I mean, uh, and then basketball for the spring mm-hmm. season. So uh. I did lots and lots of sports. And that was uh, I another thing that I tell people when, you know, they ask me kind of, you know, how I became who I am or whatever. 
um, I tell them that a lot of who I am and what I'm about and kind of my work ethic and everything comes from sports. Mm -hmm. That's really where I discovered a lot about myself, um, including, you know, how to deal with uh, frustration of injury Mm -hmm. and um, and losing (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) So, yeah. So sports is definitely a huge, it was a huge thing for me. All of the sports that you've mentioned are all very much team-based. Is that a preference? Yes. Um, not, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Probably it is uh, something that I prefer because I do love the dynamic of working together with a team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I also love doing solo stuff. Uh, but yeah, I do, I do love that whole unpredictability that comes with a team. You Mm -hmm. never know. Um, and then also the, the camaraderie, you know, that comes with it as well. Right. Um, yeah, I definitely do love that. With your first forays into radio, was that for the, the armed services radio or was it commercial radio in Tokyo? Yes. Good question. That was actually for J-Wave, which is the mm. number one uh, international station mm. in Japan. Mm. I still do some work with them. Um, so I've been, you know, I've done work with them since I was 19. And <laughs> I actually started off, yeah, like not hosting shows, mm. but I started off working for the morning show, right. the Monday mm-hmm. through Friday morning man his name was john kabira and uh i think i briefly mentioned earlier that i was doing this these you know i would coordinate for a live radio uh interview and you know every once in a while when uh daylight savings time came into play (laughs) he didn't have an interview so it was a little bit of a you know uh Mm -hmm. trouble for the show but you know it was still, um, it was great experience for me, but it was also through watching John, the guy who I was, you know, helping out on his show, John Kabira, I, I would watch him at work and I thought, man, he just brings so much joy and so much passion to what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have that similar kind of passion towards music and radio. So I started kind of moonlighting and working at a, you know, like a really small uh, DJ, you know, a a small radio station in an area called Harajuku, Mm -hmm. um, which was quite close to where I lived. And I would go there on the weekends and you know, kind of honed my skills there. And that was what led to me eventually working. After a few auditions, I started working with J-Wade. Oh, that's cool. The the move back to LA, did you start doing your, when it came to the voiceover work, uh, was that only only happened once you moved to LA? No, um, I did... I have probably done most of my voice work in Japan okay. still. Mm-hmm. Um, I and, and I still do work with my Japanese agents and um, and clients, mm-hmm. but um, no, most of the work has been done in Japan. So, I have done some work here, but mm-hmm. uh, quite honestly, I really I kind of prefer the way things are done in Japan. Right. Actually. Do you, you have to go um, – from what I understand, 
doing auditions in Japan, it's very much, you need to be here. We need to see you. We need to, you as part yes. of the process. Whereas uh, in the States and, and in Europe, it's more, well, just record this clip, send it back to us, and, and we'll know what, what we're doing. Is that, is that accurate? Yes, that's very accurate. And in fact, that is the reason that I really enjoy doing it in Japan more than I do here in the U.S. Because I prefer, when doing an audition, I'm, I just am one of those people that prefer to be directed in the direction sure. that they're looking for, you know. So I have done my whole life, I've had to go to an audition, you know, physically go to the studio, and mm-hmm. then the director will say, we want this, we want that. And so there's this synergy that goes on between the voice actor and the director. Right. Um, and I much prefer that than doing it by myself. Sure. Um, I yeah, so I definitely enjoy the audition process in Japan much better. Well, that's that teamwork thing coming back out. Yeah, you're right. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> when uh, when you first started, um, what would you, do you remember your first voice acting voiceover job? Mm, I don't. I don't remember. Okay. Um, yeah, I have no idea. It has blurred, in, <laughs> blurred into the past now. Yes, it's, yes, it's definitely bur- blurred into the past. <laughs> I do remember. Um, uh, I do remember the first time though that I went to audition for J Wave. Um, this is when the radio station was just getting ready to launch, and they had this beautiful new office. It was a two-story office in a eighteen-story building. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just state-of-the-art facilities, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I remember that the man who kind of created uh, J-Wave, he, you know, he was the one that had brought me into uh, working for the station. And so he said, Lisa, while you're up here, why don't we go ahead and get an audition? Mm-hmm. You know, why don't we go ahead and get you in the studio? I'm like, uh, okay. I'd never done anything before <laughs> like this. And so I went in and he said, okay, go ahead. Start talking. Just start talking. And yeah. <laughs> and I had no, I was like, uh, what do I talk about? Yokoi-san. His name is Hiroshi Yokoi. And I said, Yokoi-san, what do I talk about? He's like, whatever. You can just talk about anything. I'm like, um, okay. Hi, everybody. It was just terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible. Uh, so needless to say, I didn't get, you know, uh, any shows on my first audition. You, didn't, start, you didn't light fires straight away. <laughs> no, I did not. No. <laughs> it was a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I've, uh, <laughs> a, friend of, uh, a friend of mine is actually, uh, so he's relocated from Johannesburg to Japan, he does English, Japanese, uh, Japanese to English translations for, uh, oh. for television in the UK. Um, you've, yes. you do, you've worked as a correspondent oh, yeah. as well, doing that sort of thing for the Golden yes. Globes, etc. cetera. Um, yes. what, what I find really interesting about that area is the, uh, the nuances required. You can't always just do a literal translation, you have to understand no. the cultural context of what is being said. Um, yeah. Having grown up in Japan, that helps immensely. Yes. And also, I think having a background on 
music and the various genres of music. Like mm-hmm. I did something probably a bit similar to what your friend's doing. I mm-hmm. used to help with the, every year with the Academy Awards and the Grammys, mm. they are, um, the license is, you, uh, the, the people that have the license, it's a, it's a uh, network, cable network called Wow Wow TV. Right. And they had a team of probably about 15 to 20 translators who would come and do, we would, so we would have, uh, basically they have two versions of the Academy Awards and the Grammys. The first one is with simultaneous interpreters Mm-hmm. And those are for people who are just interested in hearing the, you know, all the actors and presenters. They they want to actually hear as it's done live. Right. And then we would have about 12 hours later, we'd have a turnaround where we'd have to turn everything into subtitles. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So we had to work really quickly, and they had a team of, you know, like the first proofreaders or, you know, the first translators and then the proofreaders, and I was their quote-unquote pop consultant. So (laughs) I I was in charge of – because all the translators were Japanese, so I was in charge of helping to make sure that a lot of what was being said was not lost in translation, right? Right. So – I, I can't tell you how many frustrating conversations I would have with, with some of the translators because, you know, there's also this thing about a translator will translate kind of in the way that they think as right. well or the way that they approach language or even probably the way they approach life. Like there are a lot of people that are a lot more literal about things. And so they're much more literal thinkers. And then there are a lot of people as well that will think outside the box and are better Mm -hmm. about trying to figure out how to adjust to what's being said. Mm -hmm. So I had, would sometimes have a very frustrating time with some of the people who were very literal because they couldn't understand, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, you have people like Jay-Z come up or like Snoop Dogg. Yes. And, you know, I, I just remember one particular incident where Jay-Z went up and performed his new single, H to the Izzo, V to the Izzo, right? <laughs> and I can't even begin to tell you, like, how frustrating. I'm, I, and I'm talking to this translator. And, of course, it goes to the woman who is who I always had the most difficulty with every year. And I'm telling her, I'm like, so no, it doesn't actually, ah, I don't know how to explain it, you know. Oh, and every time Snoop, Snoop Dogg would open his mouth, I'm like, no, Snoop, please. But shit, Nizzle, you know. And it's, I mean, just. I hadn't or, even considered for Shizzleman Nizzle. How, how, yeah. how did you do that? How? <laughs> I I don't even. I think for the H to the is O V to the is A. I told her I said this is a chorus, so I would just go ahead and put it as is. Like, don't even bother, you know, because sure. there's nothing really. There's no way that we can interpret this, and you're also given a limited amount of space as well on the screen. So. Right. You know, we can't really, yeah. So, um, and then with Snoop, I just, we would just kind of 
make a, I hate to say this, but like almost generalize what he's <laughs> saying. Oh, he's saying, yeah, that's really cool, man. Or, you know, like sure. kind of to take a little liberty and mm. figure things out. But yeah, sure. no, it was. So I can only imagine some of the headaches that your friend probably is having uh-huh. every day of his life. <laughs> when it when it comes to uh, voice acting for games, what was your yes. first? What was the first game that you were asked to do? I believe, and I don't think this was. This probably is not the first one I was asked to do. Mm. But it's one of the first ones that I remember doing. Sure. <laughs> Um, excuse me, oh. and it would be Crazy Taxi. Uh, crazy Taxi, yes. Uh, crazy Taxi, yes. And that was really special because uh, the company that was putting together the cast for the game was actually a company called CPO, or Chris Pepler Office. Right. And Chris right. Pepler is one of the first people I ever worked with at J-Wave as well. Okay. So okay. I, he's a, he's like a big brother to me. Um, I've known him, you know, since I was like 18, 19. So, uh-huh. um, it was a lot of fun, you know, when they approached me and they said, Lisa, we'd really like to have you on this game. And I said, Oh yeah, of course, totally down. And then I get to the studio and I just remember going in and they said, Oh, so by the way, we actually have you doing quite a few voices, not just one voice, <laughs> right? And I, I'm thinking to myself, what? Wait a minute here. <laughs> um, but it turned out to be a really cool project because a lot of the people as well that are featured on that video, uh, video games such as Brian Burton Lewis, I grew up with him. Mm. Um, like our parents know each other, you know, right. it, like our families and everything and I had to babysit him when he was a kid and so there's kind of like it was very much of a um, of my family together on the video game so I think that that would probably be one of the ones that stands out and then to add to that it was also one of the ones where I first heard my voice on a video game mm-hmm. um, I was Working in Shibuya, an area called, you know, Shibuya, which is not too far from Harajuku, not too far from the radio station as well. And I was going on a date with a guy who um, I was very interested in. And he was a big gamer. He was actually in Japan. Yes. And he was in Japan as a, uh, on a basketball contract. So he was, you know, playing pro ball for one of the teams there. And he, we were going to go see a movie and he said, Oh, before we go do that, I want to go show you one of my, I love this oh, game. No. It just came out. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I am sure you already know where I'm going with this, but, and he's like, um, Oh yeah. Like I, I you totally have to, you know, come, come watch me play. I'm like, ah, okay. So we go to the arcade and then he starts playing the game and of course, stupid me, I don't even realize. I'm just like, <laughs> listen, I'm just watching him play. 
And then I'm listening to this voice, and I'm thinking, man, that sounds really familiar. <laughs> and then everything came together at that moment. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's my voice. And, and like, yet- he freaked out. I freaked out. I was like, we have to get out of here. And I just totally freaked. And I- <laughs> so he's like, no, let me finish my game. I'm like, fine, but I'm going outside. And I'm waiting for it. <laughs> I got. I got to. I, I got to say, Liesl, that's. It's it's something that you would get from from a, a much younger guy. Hey, come watch me play play video games because that's a cool thing yeah. to do on a date, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's why I was exactly. I was kind of like, why do I have to watch you play video games? Why can't Stupid. I play? No. It's, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wouldn't have been good, I'm sure, but yeah. <laughs> In addition to, uh, we're going to talk more about um, um, your voice acting for uh, for games, but you've also got um, some movie credits. Um, yeah. To, to your uh, to your IMDb page. See, I do all of the major research, Liesl. All wow. of the major. Oh, oh yeah! Wow. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> Lost in translation. Yes. How uh, were you in Japan at the time, and it was a casting call from there, or were you in LA? How did that happen? Yes, I was actually in Tokyo, still living there, and it was a casting call through an agency that. I every once in a while worked with. Sure. Um, they're an agency that, quite honestly, I found them to be usually a little bit too unprofessional. So I had an agree. I, you know, we kind of came to terms with. I said, okay, I will do auditions for you guys, but I only want them to be really big auditions. I know sure. it sounds weird, but you know, I would. They would say, oh, okay, there's an audition, meet at this place. The manager wouldn't show up for like an hour, an hour and a half or something. You know, they'd be late. And it was so I just kind of got frustrated. And I said, Mm -hmm. no, I can't do this. Like, I need, you know. um, So anyway, so they called me up about this audition. And because it was coming from, you know, this agency, I thought, eh, Yeah, I'm sure. Nothing. You know, no big deal. Whatever. And they did tell us that it was a Bill Murray film. But Mm -hmm. because it was coming from this agency, I thought, "Ah, yeah, it'll probably go straight to DVD. No one will ever even know about it. You know, and um, so I I was a big naysay. I really did not. You know, I was quite the little doubter, I guess Mm -hmm. you would say. But um and then, uh, yeah, so then I, they called me to go into the audition. I went in. It was a huge cattle call because there were only two, I believe there were only two speaking parts. Mm-hmm. And I was auditioning for one of them, the sexy businesswoman. Mm-hmm. Um, and Is that so how it was on the script? Is that was the name on the script? Yes, that was, <laughs> yes, that was my name on the script. Um and uh, I got there to the, you know, to the um, building that was holding the audition. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, there's so many people. There's just absolutely no way that I'm going to get it. Um, and they had asked us to dress because it was, quote, you know, sexy businesswoman. They sure. wanted us to wear a suit. And so I came in a pantsuit and I had these little, you know, fake uh, eye these glasses, you know, that mm-hmm. I thought would be nice, kind of horn rim glasses. And then um, as, I, as I was leaving, 
I got someone touched me on the shoulder and they said, excuse me, Lisa, can we get more, some more photos of you? And I, you know, I turned around and I thought, oh yeah, sure. Okay. And so they, you know, kind of took me to the side and then out of nowhere comes Sofia Coppola and she's, yeah. And that's when I was, I thought, oh, I see. This is not, this is not a straight to DVD. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, and so then the guy was, you know, taking some Polaroids and she was mm-hmm. kind of, you know, guiding him, you know, and he was saying, okay, please turn around, blah, 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 whatever. So, you know, finish that up, go home. And I don't know, it's about week, two weeks, never hear back from the agency. Mm-hmm. And then they called me about a different job. So mm-hmm. I thought, ah, oh, okay, I guess I must not have gotten the movie after all so okay that's fine Mm -hmm. and I call them you know and the first thing that comes out of the you know the manager who I call first thing that comes out of his mouth is congratulations Liesl that's great news I'm thinking (laughs) what the heck are you talking about he said what you didn't they didn't call you and tell you you got the job you got the film I I said no I had no idea. You guys didn't even check my schedule. Like, what is this? Wow. You know? Um, so, yeah. So that's how it started with mm-hmm. Lost in Translation. But um, it was a really interesting film for me to be a part of because I actually had met Sofia Coppola about 10 years before she made that film. Wow. Uh, And if you know anything about that film, it's kind of loosely based on her life. She used to go to Japan a lot when she was dating and married to Spike Jones, the director. Oh, I did Uh, not know that. Yes. Ah. So I was, and I had, you know, the 10 years ago scenario was I did a lot of work with a popular Japanese TV show called Countdown Groove, which um, was a TV show that featured a lot of international and Japanese artist interviews. So I did a lot of their international artist interviews. And I was at the Park Hyatt to interview um, Sonic Youth. They were there for... Yeah, so they were there to promote their, I believe, their 12th album, and they were there to also do, you know, a live showcase or a live tour or something, and so we were just getting ready to set up, and then all of a sudden, you know, the sweet door opens, and Sofia Coppola bounces in. She's like, hi, guys, I just kind of want to hang out with you. I don't have anything to do. Is that okay kind of thing? You know, and at first I was kind of annoyed because I'm thinking to myself, who the heck is this person? You know, I'm (laughs) trying to, you know, establish this synergy here um, with the artist. But, um, but yeah, so that was, but that slice of life that, you know, I saw of Sofia Coppola during mm-hmm. that time, it comes from that same period. Sure. So it was quite interesting for me to see the movie because I just mm-hmm. thought, wow, that really reminds me, kind of takes me back, you know, to when I had first met her. Right. Um, yeah. So it was a so when I found out that I got the movie, I thought, oh, it'll be. I'm very interested to see what you know 
Sofia Coppola is like now because mm-hmm. I had only met her that one time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we hadn't really talked or anything like that. So, but she was absolutely wonderful to work with. Okay. Um, very, she was, she was very in control of the set, but at the same time, she was extremely collaborative. Mm-hmm. So Bill Murray would be coming over, you know, going over to the director's chair or wherever she's standing and kind of talk to her about a scene. If he didn't like the feel or if he wanted to change it up a little bit, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came in to do my part, she told me right away, you don't have to do it verbatim. Like you can, as long as I get the gist sure. of what's being said here in the script, we're totally good. Okay. So I leave it to you to kind of, you know, do whatever. I'm right. like, oh, okay, that's great. Yeah. So Is, yeah, I'm very, very happy to have been a part of that film. Bill has a reputation. Hey, look at me, Bill. Yeah. Yeah. We, his friends call him Bill. <laughs> Bill. Yeah. yeah, BM. Yeah, BFM. He has a reputation. Mr. Murray apparently has a reputation yeah. of just going with the flow and going off script and 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 improvising a lot. Did that? Uh, is that true? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that with that film, because uh, he and he did do that uh, from what I. He didn't do that with our scene that much, mm. but um, he did do that, I think, with that film sure. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I think a lot of times, though, with uh, – I don't know if this happened every time, but I know a lot of times he would go and talk to her about it and see if she was okay with him doing that, just right. kind of out of respect sure. you know, to Sofia Coppola. But she had been trying to get him to play – that role of Bob Harris for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So he, at first, was not very excited about playing that role. Gotcha. Um, and it really took a lot of her saying, hey, you know, I'll give you liberty. I'll give you a lot of liberty to kind mm-hmm. of, you know, yeah, be able to improvise and do whatever. So sure. I, but I really want you to be the, the part. Right. So. Okay. Uh, if I yeah. could, if I could move on to some of your other voice acting yeah. uh, working games. Sure. Um, uh, there's the Tekken franchise. There's Street Fighter, yes. Virtua Fighter. Uh, which I'm going to actually throw this to you. When you're at a convention, which is the main character that your fans come to you to talk about? Is it a mix, or is there one predominantly that, you, that uh, consistently goes ahead? I would probably say most of the time it's Nina Williams from Tech N. However, there are a lot of people that like Virtua Fighter as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah, Sarah Bryant. Um, So, Sarah Bryant. And of course, at every convention, I will always have my Shemu fans, right? (laughs) So. That's always something that I've seen consistently over the years. Sure. And even people, and it, what's quite interesting to me is a lot of my fellow voice actors as well, like, they're like, oh my gosh, I love Shemu. I can't wait to see what three is going to be like. So mm-hmm. it seems like as far as kind of the industry as well as the fandom that 
in many ways, Shamu is one of the biggest ones. But when it comes to going to conventions, and then I would definitely say it would be um, Nina Williams or Sarah right. Bryant. Okay. When it, uh, when it comes to actually doing the, the voices, I, c- I could try to make the joke, method actor. Are you a method actor? Does somebody need to be beating you up while you're making those <laughs> noises? Well, never, because I'm Nina Williams. I beat You're doing people the ass up. They never beat me up. Exactly. You are doing the ass yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, uh, I, I do use some physicality, though, when I'm recording. But, you know, of course, there's only, it's, there's a limit to what you can do because you have to be sure. in the same area, you know, when you're recording, right. just so you can have consistency with your, with your voice and everything. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I do, I do have a certain stance. It's sure. kind of a wider stance when I'm standing that I use mm-hmm. for, you know, recording my fighting girls, as I like to call them. Right. But, yeah. What would be uh, what would be the key misconception that people generally have when it comes to doing uh, voice acting work for uh, for games and for video? Mm, that the pay is really good. It's oh. not very good a uh-huh. lot of the times. Uh, or you know they they're like oh you do video games so mm. you know you must get residuals all the time and blah that blah was, blah that was going to be my first my first you don't get residuals no well mm-hmm. it depends on the contract okay um, but a lot yeah a lot of uh, games nowadays are non union mm. and uh, it's work it, for hire it, yeah yeah absolutely yeah okay. So the so for people who are wanting to potentially go into this expecting red carpet lifestyle and mountains Scrooge McDuck levels of cash not so much Yeah, good luck with that. Not so much. <laughs> yeah. What I, was Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say I do tell people though and uh you know because of course one of the questions that comes up at every single convention is, what do I want to do if I want to become a, a voice actor? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I tell people, um, and I've heard other voice actors, you know, talk about some of the same things that I talk about. But I tell people that you really need to make sure that this is what you want to do, one, because it's not going to be an easy journey in any sense of the word um, and that you really need to stay committed, you know, to, if you're going to do it, then that's great, but you can't just, and, you know, also to be really versatile. And I think that that's one thing, you know, people, people think that video or voiceover equals, anime and video games every single day but that's not necessarily you know i mean there's all kinds of other voice work as well Mm -hmm. so i like say for instance i was the voice for panasonic for four years and quite Ah. honestly that was the best that was the best paying job in my life (laughs) you know um and it was literally just the logo you know so every time a commercial came on or a video came on for a four-year period it was my voice just saying 
Panasonic, right? And mm-hmm. so I did that, you know, and I also did one for Sky Perfect TV, which mm-hmm. later went on to become a part of Direct TV, I believe. But um, so I, you know, and then I've done work with like Nissan. I did a, a car commercial for them. And mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot of other work that you can do as well. And right. I tell people that you should never just do one thing I mean it's great for people that can who can do just one thing and just you know become an expert at that one thing and only do that one thing that's great Um, I am the type of person voice actor um, artist whatever you want to call me but I like to be exposed to all kinds of things Mm -hmm. because I just really feel that it helps me in the end with whatever I'm doing so mm-hmm. I like to challenge myself on all different levels, you okay. know, so if it's commercial work or video work, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you, can oh, you hear me? I can hear you. Yep. Ooh, yes. Okay. Perfect. So okay, did, did you hear anything I just said? I did not. Okay. So <laughs> I, I was almost disappointed when I saw your call come up because I'm currently reading the Wikipedia entry for Candy Candy. Oh! So now I, now I know who, uh, what's his name? Uh, his name is Terry Granchester, the illegitimate child of a British duke. And, uh, <laughs> and the yes. families, this, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to track this down. I'm sure it's on YouTube. I'm sure it'll be on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, and with that Candy Candy, from what I understand, the creator of Candy Candy in the studio had a big falling out. And so oh. because of that, they never had any reruns at all. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, which is so unfortunate because in my oh. opinion, that's I still think that it's one of the best, you know, anime ever created, of course, oh, in of my course. mind. <laughs> of course. Uh, you know, but... Um, and I was actually not Team Terry. I was Team Anthony. And of course, Anthony Brown, right. Yes, yes, the one that, you know, and he died, and it was a very tragic death. He mm-hmm. was on a horse, and his horse got caught in a trap, and oh. he was flung, you know, he flew from the horse, and then mm-hmm. that's how he died. And I just remember being so traumatized by it. And I went up to my mom. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Anthony just died. Mom, I can't go to school for maybe a day or two days. Or, you know, and both my parents being the academics that they are, they said, yeah, no, that's not happening. Good luck with that. Nope. It's, it's, <laughs> so. it's seeming very bold and the beautiful-ish. Yes, yes, <laughs> it is. Um, and, and then kind of another fun story to mm. that. I actually met, um, I do a lot of work with Anime Expo as well here yes. in L.A. And um, more recently, I've been doing a lot of the emceeing and interpreting for some of their really big industry panels. So sure. like last year, I... Uh, Makoto Shinkai, he did the premiere for Your Name at mm-hmm. AX, and mm-hmm. I did the emceeing and interview and interpreting for that. But right. um, I've, I've also go, gone there as a guest, right? So one year I was there, and the voice actor who plays Anthony oh. was there. Yes, as well. Really? And so I 
Yes. So I knew that he was somewhere, you know, in the convention center, which is huge. So, mm-hmm. yes. you know, it doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to run into him. But I went to the green room and there he was. And I just, and I told a girlfriend that I was with, I said, I am about to make a total fool out of myself. So if you don't know me, yeah, I totally fangirl. It's the only time I fangirl. And I went up to him and I said, Anthony! And he looked at me like, why am I in Los Angeles? Why is there a tall blonde chick singing? And I started singing the uh, candy candy theme song. Oh, this is fantastic. Like, you know, yeah, like he really needs to hear that, you know? <laughs> and he's just looking at me like, so much about this is strange that it almost makes sense to me. Kind of was, <laughs> his, oh, it was just great. And he just kind of looked at me and I was like, oh my gosh, I love you, Anthony. I said, oh. And then I told him about how I went to miss school when he, you know, when he died on the mm-hmm. show and everything. Oh, and wow. He's kind of, he's looking at me like, yeah, oh gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know? And then, of course, I take, I asked, if I could, I say, can do you mind if I can get a photo with you? He's like, no, absolutely not. Let's take a photo. So, you know, <laughs> it, and I so I have this photo where I'm super like, you know, I'm I'm just like Miss Happy Girl, and then he <laughs> still has this kind of frozen smile on his face, like what the heck is going on right now? You know? <laughs> At least um, you, you've killed so, you've killed all of my other questions. That story was a joy. That's lovely. Oh, right. Thank you. Well, you would think it would end there, but no, oh. of course it doesn't. Yeah, you're married so with three little- kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I just recently was over at AWA, which is in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It's Anime Weekend Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And every year I do most of the moderating and interpreting for their guests. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone from creators to directors to voice actors. Mm-hmm. Well, guess who was on the guest ah. list? Anthony. Did you did you yes. call him did you call him that as you introduced him? No. So <laughs> actually cuz here's my thinking. I thought, okay, the one time I ever fangirled and made a complete fool of myself, am I going to bring this up? And I thought, no. I'm going to see if I can get away because now I actually have to, you know, handle his panel. Like I have to work with him. Yes. So I, so I saw him again in the green room. Um, he was with his agent and, mm-hmm. you know, I went, I went and met him. And then there was another really famous Japanese voice actor and they both came together. And so, um, I was introduced to them and I sat down and within five minutes, his manager looked at me and she said, we've met you before. (laughs) It's like, you know, and there was this, there was this moment where I thought, do I deny everything? Do I own it? And so I said, Oh yes, we have. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, Anthony, as I'm going to call him, said, ah, Anime Expo. <laughs> and he like pointed at me yes, that's me. It's like, oh, how could I forget? That's fantastic. Uh, like that. But, and, 
just and he was an absolute joy to work with at AWA. Mm-hmm. We had a great time. He um, he continues to do a lot of work, like he's in Mobile Suit Gundam. And, oh right, um, just. Yeah, so he still stays very relevant, but he's mm-hmm. he was just a gentleman, and I was so, yeah, it, it was a wonderful way to kind of, you know, end that whole thing. But oh, Excellent. <laughs> that is a great story. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I, will, I will jump back to the question that kind of got interrupted with the, with the, the yeah. tech issue. Um, do you remember, like, the first big otaku purchase that you made – it was almost like one, almost like those regrettable purchases you do where I really shouldn't yeah. have done this, but this this is great. Ah, I don't know if I don't know. I don't know. That's I don't much. think I've made one. Okay. Um, or you've never regretted I'm, any of the purchases. <laughs> oh no, I've regretted all kinds of purchases. That's <laughs> that's you know, I mean, and that would go everything from like the. TV shopping network, mm. you know, I mean, I've done, I bought a few things. Right. I just, yeah, you know, but, and even, um, I mean, quite honestly, I think the thing that I probably have spent the most money on in my life is mm. music. Uh-huh. And I, I've definitely bought CDs, mm-hmm. cassettes, albums, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that, I completely regret later on, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't know about otaku purchases. Sure. I don't okay. think I've bought anything that, um, that's been really big that I regretted. Gotcha. No. Right. Yeah. Uh, we are we are coming pretty much up to the hour. I do have one, one last question before I get to, we get to the wrap yes. up. So okay. the, it's, and you as a, you as somebody who is trained and skilled and a professional in this? Should, we should be able to take your, your advice as gospel. As gospel, uh, there <laughs> yeah, right. is there is a thing in the manga community and the anime, well, the anime yes. community, subtitles or dubbing. Subtitles. And subtitles. For me. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. You mean Why? which do I prefer to watch? Which do you prefer to watch and which should it be done in? Are you saying that the subtitles, that mm-hmm. they go to the effort to make the subtitles as correct as possible? Uh, what's, what's your feeling on the, on the, on the issue? Um, so I think as far as what they should be done, like what format they should be done in, I think both formats are great because mm-hmm. – um, and, you know, this kind of goes back to when I used to work as a pop consultant for the mm-hmm. Grammys and the Academy Awards. I know that there are some people that really connect a lot more when they hear the voice, the Japanese voice actors work. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are some, and I've met many of them at other at conventions all over where they prefer to not have to do that work of reading the subtitles. And, you know, so they would much prefer to just kind of escape into that story. And they can't do it maybe if they're reading the subtitles or I don't know. I just think that a lot of people really approach it differently. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly what 
you know, we all experienced when I was working with Wow Wow, um, where there was some Japanese that don't like subtitles or some mm. Japanese that prefer subtitles because they just feel that that's a lot more, quote unquote, authentic. But mm. I think that both are very important. And then you also have, especially with anime, you have the kid audience as well, who, you know, sometimes it's really hard for them to try to read subtitles. So mm. they're just concentrating on trying to get through it. And then it's already gone to the next frame. So, right. um, so because of that, I think that both subtitles and dubbing are really important. Mm. As far as for myself, I prefer subtitles. Right. Um, and I'm not quite sure why, but um, I just, yeah, I, I guess maybe because I used to watch some stuff with subtitles in Japan. They get a lot of European uh, films because right. um, there's a big love for cinema there and mm-hmm. they have like especially French films, Italian films. And so sometimes I would go with friends and we would go watch a movie and it would be you know, like in French, but I would need the subtitles. So I'm quite used to the whole subtitle thing, sure. so it doesn't really bother me. Okay, yeah, so, so. so there is no one true way. I don't think so. And there shouldn't be, I don't think. Right. Yeah. Right. Liesl, um, this, uh, this podcast has a lot of people listening who are, who are creators, people who are uh, otaku, people who are fanboys, fangirls, uh, who might be trying to get along um, in their own lives. Is there yeah. one pearl of wisdom, uh, something that you could share with them that you think might make things a little easier, some piece of advice? Yeah. Um, I probably what I would say to anyone, so this would be any creator, any, any, and like you said, like any fanboy, no matter what, your journey is in your life, I think that it's really important to trust yourself and trust your journey and understand that you are going to be, you're going to have your own unique journey. So you shouldn't compare it to other people. You shouldn't, um, you know, sometimes you might see other people, they're doing a lot better than you, or you think they are. Yes. But I think that it's really important to just kind of focus on what you're doing, what you want to do, and what you're about. And then sure. to really kind of stay true to that journey. Because we all, and I'm talking about everyone that I've worked with in the industry, you know, like creators, voice actors, you know, whatever. We've all had those times where we're just like, man, I'm not making it. You know, mm-hmm. I this is just extremely tough. We've all had those times. Um, but I think that probably one of the things that will keep you going is to just really understand that your journey is going to be unique. You'll have your own timing but you just need to keep following it and you just need to like buckle down and stay committed right. so i think that would be yeah and and that was that goes for anything i think that goes for life that goes yeah. for whatever but mm-hmm. yeah lisa Wilkes, thank you so let me run let me do that slowly <laughs> as a good voice actor okay. should and enunciate <laughs> Liesl okay. Wilkerson, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this you has been fantastic. You. I've really enjoyed this. Um, uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, I have. Thank you. we're hoping that we can get you down to South Africa sometime soon. 
Yes, I hope so. And I promise I will not bring a FedEx person with me. <laughs> I will not have any problems with, with uh, cats destroying my laptop. That's all right. We um, need to, we'll, we'll make sure that we have somebody cosplaying as Anthony for you. Yeah, that would be wonderful. <laughs> Lovely. Lisa, thanks very much for your time. Thank you, Les, and thank thanks. you for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Thank really you. a pleasure. Thanks a lot. That was Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. What the chain of command is, it's a chain I go get and beat you with till you understand who's in rut and command here. To contact the show, you can email us at releasethegeek, one word, at geekxp.co.za. Thanks for listening. I'll be back.